I don't know how long we'll be here for, but um, I think it's it's a great opportunity we're giving ourselves and the children, and I think we're fully embracing it. And um, yeah. I think for my children, I just wanted them to see, you know, meet different people and experience different cultures and realise that the world is a little bit bigger than just West Sussex. So. <laughs> my name is Sarah Ramsey, and I'm more than just a vet. Hello, you are listening to More Than Just a Vet, a podcast where we explore the lives of veterinary professionals. I want to know what's behind the surgical mass of the people who help our animals. My name is Francisco Gomez. Welcome to my show. Uh, thank you for taking part. Um, my pleasure. Uh, would you please introduce yourself, um, tell me who you are, um, how you get there and why. Okay. Um, so my name is Sarah Ramsey. Um, I graduated from uh, the Dick Vet in Edinburgh in 2006. Um, I did a degree before that at Glasgow University, uh, where I met my now husband. So um, we've known each other for well over 20 years now. Um, we uh, once we graduated, um, we were living in um, Guildford in South London. And then starting a family, moved out to West Sussex. And then last year, we took the plunge to move to Dubai, um, wow. which is where we are now. <laughs> okay, that's fantastic. So um, I always ask people what they, why they want to become a vet. And in the email you sent me, you said, well, I wanted to be a ballet dancer. Yes. <laughs> and, or, or a vet, or a forensic... Forensic pathologist. Forensic yeah. pathologist. Okay, which... <laughs> Forensic pathologist and a vet, maybe the science, right? But what's the what's the connection with ballet dancer? Why? Why that? Um, I've done dance. I did dance from when I was three, and I've always loved music and and dance, and yeah, just really enjoyed it. So I, I actually studied to, to take my teachers, and when I was uh -huh. at Glasgow um, University, I attended the Scottish Ballet, and I danced a lot there and and through university. Um, now we just have kitchen discos, but. Okay. Um, um I did I did spend a day at the Royal Ballet um through part of a course that I through my dance school and it was like the toughest day of my entire life. So you actually <laughs> weren't there to do it? No, just it, no, I was never good enough to 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 join the Royal Ballet, but they did um as part of their school, they they did workshops that you could go along I to. See. Um and I did I did workshops with other sort of dance companies like Rambert and things like that and loved them. But, um, but yeah, it sort of reinforced the fact that I wasn't good enough to be a professional dancer. Um, okay. And it was just so hard, so hard. I mean, I, I do a lot of sports and, and so quite like, but it was yes. really physic physically hard, mentally hard. Um, but for me, yeah, sort of dancing and things is, um, it's a great um, sort of expression and, and yeah, way to unwind and, and things like that. But I don't do yes. enough of it anymore, unfortunately. That, that's okay. But then it is that you, you went that day, you found, uh, do I want to spend my entire life doing this? I'm guessing, you know, a lot of exercise, keeping fit, diet, and um, routines, discipline, mm -hmm. just like being a vet. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> basically, but I decided, I decided that might be easier. I don't know, maybe I was wrong. But <laughs> okay, so you decide then, okay, I'm going to go to Dubai. Yeah. How does it come along? You know, why? Yeah, so I think um, I think well, everybody knows, you know, sort of with COVID, it's all been like sort of very tough for everyone. Um, my husband 
uh, they very early on his company decided he wasn't allowed to go into the office in London. So he was stuck in our little um, office in our house in West Sussex. Um, and yeah, I think he, he found it particularly tough. Um, and I was sort of clinical director at a, a two-site practice, brilliant team. I loved it. Um, but again, it was it was incredibly hard. You know, there was a, so much responsibility of, of being yes. responsible for everyone's safety and trying to keep the yes. practice running and just how busy it was getting. Um, and we've, we've almost moved abroad a couple of times and we've never done it. And a very good friend moved back to Dubai and just kept going, you've got to come, you've got to come. And, I see. Um, and yeah, sort of really sowed the seed and the idea. And, and my husband was just like, look, if we don't do it now, we'll never do it. The kids are the right age to do it. And what's the worst thing that can happen? We can hate it and we can come back. We've kept our house um, yeah. in West Sussex. So, you know, we just thought, let's just do it. Um, you know, life's, life's so short. And, and I think, again, you know, sort of COVID made us realise what was important. And it was spending time together and yeah. and doing things as a family and being outdoors as much as possible because I think that's what you realize when you weren't allowed to do so many things was was actually having experiences as a family and um and meeting people and 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 doing you know that was just really important to us so um we just took the plunge and oh. um and yeah so far so good <laughs> okay, okay so I, I what I was looking for I was searching for and I think I got it is that there was a friend there already mm-hmm yeah. And I think that probably make a big difference because they can tell you from a personal point of view, this is how life is. Come over. Definitely. Right. Definitely. And, you know, they'd lived here for many, many years before and then uh-huh. moved over to, to the UK. So we'd become very, very close friends in, in sort of four years. Um, and they, their heart was still in Dubai. So they came back. Um, yes. And, you know, they just sort of said, you know, I think it would really you know they knew us very well they just thought we think it really suits your lifestyle and um you know because we do my husband cycles a lot you know we are outdoors a lot of the time and and um he likes the hot weather as you can see with my coloring I'm I'm not exactly a sun worshipper so um I was that was the thing I think that was probably the thing that worried me the most and for me it was more it was moving back to the city a city that that worried me I, I really loved living yes. in London but I'd I'd really embraced living in the country I grew up in the countryside and and I loved where we were in West Sussex having fields in front of us and sheep and cat horses behind and yeah. so that that's the one thing that worried me but actually where we are we've got the desert right behind us I see camels every morning yeah. um and there is a lot of wildlife here if you if you know where to look and uh-huh. yeah my husband my husband got me a, a little bird book of Arabia and and, okay. and things like that for Christmas because um, actually we've got loads of birds we're in a very green community they've done a lot of landscaping so we actually have quite a lot of green space and trees and and um, so a lot more wildlife and uh, well, scorpions and things like that and but... right. <laughs> well you have mentioned about uh, it, it, if I look at you well for those listening you have pale skin very blonde and I'm guessing in Dubai you'll have very high temperatures and the sun hitting you like nothing you can compare with yeah when we moved in July um it's like the worst time to basically (laughs) yeah so it was you know it's mid 40s to high 40s every day but then the with the um sort of wind factor it actually goes over 50 so every single time you step outside it's like you've opened an oven door yes face in it 
Um, and so, yeah, I have red hair. I have, I'm just becoming one massive freckle at the moment. <laughs> um, so slathering myself in factor 50 every day. Um, even yeah. now we're in winter. Um, it's crazy because we've acclimatized so much. Like this morning it was yeah. 20 degrees. I put a yeah. fleece on to go to work because I felt yes. cold. Yes, you do. Yes. Um, so, um, I'm saying all this because I'm Spanish and I'm from yes. Malaga, which is not as hot, but the sensation of open the door of an oven, yeah. that is something that I can relate to. So, yeah, so yeah I, I completely get it. And, yeah, the, the same thing that you don't go out much in January here in the UK. Uh, you don't step aside in July in no. in the summer because it's in the middle of the day because it's, it's crazy and it's dangerous, to be honest. Yeah. So Yeah, it's so hot. It was it, like nothing I've ever experienced. And, and um, so I thought when we first quit, I thought, oh, my goodness, we made a massive mistake. Um, what have we done? Um, but, yeah, we spent a lot of time in the swimming pool. <laughs> what are the rules? You know, you, mo- you moved during COVID, right? Yeah. Were the rules different from the UK? Yes, and they still are. So we have been wearing masks all the time. So <laughs> the only time you're not allowed to wear a mask is when you're eating um, uh-huh. or when you're exercising or when you're in your own house, basically. Okay. And, the rest uh, of the time uh, you, you wear, wear a mask. I see. And about, you know, everyday life, because I understand Dubai is like a small monarchy inside a country of monarchies something like that and then but but then i, I don't i don't want this to, to sound to sound um discouraging uh, but because this is in the middle east uh, we, we know traditionally that some some countries have a bit of different rules for for women and men have you experienced any of that um, no, I, we came, the last time we came to Dubai was 2005, so quite some uh-huh. time ago, um, and it was definitely was a lot stricter then. So, um, you know, you couldn't, you wouldn't be able to hold hands with your partner going down the street. Um, you had to dress very modestly. I mean, yes. it's still encouraged now that if you go into a mall, you have, should have your shoulders covered, you should have yes. your knees covered. Um but you don't have to obviously cover your your face, your hair, or anything like that. Um, if you go to a government building again, you know men must wear trousers. Yes. Um, yes. You must cover your your your. You know, just you just. I think it's just about being respectful, really. Yes. But you know, on the beach or at the pool, you can. You're you know, fine. Wear, you're fine. Um, and and if you are running in the street and it's mm-hmm. hot, you can wear shorts and things like yeah. that. That's not a problem. That's not and, a problem. Yeah. I, 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 sorry, I probably sound ignorant. Some people are going to listen to this and thinking, we all know this. Um, alcohol. Yes. Can you drink alcohol outside, inside? How does it work now? No, so you have to have a license. Um, uh-huh. So if you, if you, you can, there are certain shops you, you can't buy it in the supermarket, um, uh-huh. but there are certain shops that you can purchase alcohol in um, and you have to have a license. I think that apparently the rules are going to change that you don't need a license anymore. Um, but if you, potentially, if you, if someone came to your house and inspected the house and found alcohol, you have to have a license um, to have it. Lots of, um, all the hotels, most restaurants have an alcohol license so you can drink alcohol there um as well again you know it's you know respectful behavior is encouraged you know but I mean that's one of the nice things you you don't you you know if you go out of an evening you don't see people stumbling out of (laughs) well I haven't maybe I don't go out that (laughs) much actually but you understand you, you don't, you know, if you you were sort of yeah, nobody's just learning words uh, yeah. in the kebab in the kebab shop. 
Yeah, and because again, it's, I mean, I'm sure it is there, but maybe I just haven't seen it. Like I said, I may not have been out very much. But, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, there's a big brunch scene and everything like that. But I would say people don't, you know, get themselves in such a mess that they're going to end up in hospital because, again, it's, you could potentially, your, your insurance could be invalid if, um, you know, if it's found to be alcohol induced and things like that as well. You could get into trouble with the, with the police. Um, it, you know, again, I, I've, um, I think it's, it's, you know, you just don't, you just, it's just, yeah, I, I guess like a, a different sort of mentality. I'm like, brunches are really big. We've only, I've only done one since I got here and it was very yeah. fun, lots of music, lovely food. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe I'm a bit old for that kind of scene now, but I know, you know, no, I know a lot of people who do, who do go out and have, have a great time and, and people coming on holiday. I know at the hotels and yes. the all-inclusive places, it's, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. fine to kind of do all of that. Um, you know, the, the, that's, uh, you wouldn't really believe you were in a, a Muslim country, I guess. Um, yeah, because it's, it, it's quite occidental in, in that mm. way, right? Yeah. Uh, so one of the things I, I ask people is about their daily lives and and you you have told me that you are in one of the first 24-hour hospitals in in the Emirates yes. uh, and then how how what do you do what's your normal are you small animals are you everything what, what do you do no so we're just a small animal practice so uh-huh. um it's King Veterinary Center and, and Monique and Malcolm, Malcolm set that up and um, I think They've been in the UAE now about 17 years. Uh-huh. Um, and so, yeah, it was the first sort of 24-hour hospital. So a lot there's a lot of veterinary practices, but there's no – the difference to the UK is there's no – you don't have to provide 24-hour care. Yes. So you can just close your doors at 6 o'clock and turn your phones off and, and you don't have to. It was so a lot of those clinics you know, do have a call. You know, you can call them and speak to the vet still. Yes. Um, but um, um, Keen was the first hospital. There is now a second one um, as well in Dubai. So we obviously see a lot of emergencies um, out and out. Um, so I I have a cert ADP in small animal medicine. So yes. my area of interest is, is medicine, um, imaging, cardiology. Um, so um, I do do a lot of um, operations and things as well because I'm an experienced surgeon. But um, you know, medicine cases are, are really my my area of interest so it's lovely being back in a hospital setting where we do have a lot of inpatients and so there's lots of care plans to look at and um you know decisions to to make and things so um yeah so today I was on the hospital shift so that starts at 7 30 when we take over from the night team we round then we sort of um look at all of the patients and get treatment plans sorted call owners now that's quite hard in this country because again it's a weekend and uh, most people don't get up till midday so it's hard to get hold of people in okay. the morning to give them an update um but um they always speak english uh, yes so so i would say yeah the majority there's a huge big expat, expat community so there can be lots of people from france and spain and italy and things as well but yeah um in sort of the um, emiratis all speak very good english and um, sometimes yes. there, there can be a little bit of, of language barrier um google translate is my friend in that <laughs> situation um and but, but don't they have these um different um characters that you can really input in your computer to do Google Translate. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's certain things where they just don't they don't have certain letters for things. So you, so you, are, put, it, you put in a word and it just goes. Oh, that doesn't. Make sense. <laughs> um, so so sometimes that can be quite challenging. Yes. Um, but yeah, the the yeah majority speak very very good English. Yes. So so um, 
most of your clients are expats from, or, so I call it immigrants from Europe or, yeah. or is I it half and half? Say, I would probably say 50-50 really. So it's a you know, large local population that bring their animals to us. And then we have, you know, um, we have quite a large um, yeah, sort of expat um you know sort of clientele as well um at night we can have people come from all over um yes. the united arab emirates so we'll have people down from sharjah or ras al khaimah because there aren't any 24-hour hospitals there so sometimes people will travel you know two or three hours to to bring a pet to you know to, to you that. yeah those other um places because i don't i don't understand the the country I, i've never been to uh so uh, cities farther away from dubai do they have their own vets and, and staff? Or is so, yeah, less... so there will be vets, but they, there's n- not really any 24-hour hospitals in a lot of those places. So I they see. can't get any, you know, any sort of care or advice. So sometimes, yes. it, you know, we are we are just there to speak with them on the phone and, and uh-huh. give them some advice and see whether they, they can, you know, wait. Um, but we're open 24 hours, so we're, we are there to help them if, if they if they need if they need help. So so sometimes you know they will come and then stay with us. Other times we you know, we sort of come and provide enough care to get them transferred back to their their vets in the morning. How how come how what are common conditions that you you see? I mean, uh, yeah. we spend a lot of time vaccinating against mm-hmm. distemper hepatitis, parvovirus, leptospirosis. Do you do a lot of vaccinations? Do you have a lot of one thing or another? What's mm-hmm. what's common? So we see a lot of parvovirus. Um, uh-huh. a lot. Um, so we have a dedicated parvo ward that was built because of the, the number of So that's in both dogs and cats. So we do vaccinate a lot of animals. A lot of um, a, a lot of puppies are imported here, and again, again similar to what I saw in the UK, they come with rather dodgy paperwork. So they're <laughs> younger than they should be. Supposedly had these vaccines. Um, so we we do a lot of tighter testing and, and restarting of vaccines, um, yes. and we'll have a lot of animals that that just succumb to to disease um, as well. So we we see quite a bit of that. Um, we see obviously you know because we're a city, road traffic accidents, um, cats yes. a lot, balcony falls. Um, oh, I see. Um, as well. I hope they don't uh, fall down from that tallest tower in the no, in the, the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that must so, be impressive. Yes, it is. I can see that from my just where I'm where, where I am in our office actually. So, no way. Uh, yeah, you can yeah. see it from where you are right now. Yeah, it's from our from our this is our spare room. That's my husband's office, okay. and yeah, we can see the Burj Khalifa from here all lit up, and the Burj Al Arab as well. Can, so. can you not angle the camera a little oh, bit? I, so I, might, can see? I might be able to. I don't know if you'll be able to see if it's lit up well enough. Oh, and it's a bit foggy tonight. <sighs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll send you a okay. picture. <laughs> Please. Um, and yeah, so the usual, um, you know, that French bulldogs are very popular here as well. So, yes. um, my boss does a lot of boas surgery, yes, particularly um, in a hot dog. country. I yeah. found the same in Spain. Go to Spain, yeah. you know, dogs that can't breathe, let's get French bulldogs. Yes, I know. <laughs> Unfortunately, where, where um, do these dogs come from? I mean, would you say illegal imports sometimes, or dodgy paper, well, let's call it. Where yeah. do they come from? Um, Eastern Usually. Europe mainly. Oh, Eastern Europe well. or China. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. And China as well, because then you're closer yeah. to China. Hong Kong, Hong other Kong seems to be kind of, yeah. I see. Not so much at the moment with COVID, but um, but yeah, a lot. Um, so there's the pet shops and there's a big pet market here and things as well. So I, um, I haven't dared go anywhere near it. Um, yeah. Is there rabies in, in Dubai, in, in the Emirates? 
No, there's very low. I think technically there is, but very, yeah. very low numbers. So um, I would, the, the municipality um, have it as a legal requirement for um, dogs and cats to be vaccinated every year against rabies. So, so when um, in Dubai, um, yearly you have your vaccines and your rabies and you get given a tag that goes on the animal's collar so the municipality knows they're microchipped, vaccinated against rabies, a, a bit like mm-hmm. the states. Um, yes. So if they're picked up, they can be returned to the owner and, and um, yeah, just kind of, yeah encourages responsible ownership which is which is good it's good yes um you you put in your uh, email that you sent me that uh, some drugs aren't licensed uh, mm-hmm. and then you can't is it bec- because it's illegal to use them or because you can't get them a bit of both really uh-huh. so so we have um obviously the veterinary industry is is, is regulated um and the the sort of human health industry is regulated and there seems to be like a not so much crossover with the drugs um so so one of the big things i found um i think yeah the first time i had a seizuring patient um we can't get um phenobarbitone here <laughs> so we have to you know rely on lots of other drugs which you know a lot of the time yeah you can stabilize an epileptic but those you know sort of quite tricky ones that you know you could immediately you know get them under control yeah. with that you can't use uh, a lot of um you know sort of other is that kind of opiates um yes. uh appetite like, stimulants and things like that yeah. you know sort of anything that tricyclic you know depre- antidepressants and things like that are all very very heavy heavily regulated here so so you can't use them so that was a bit of a learning curve and then yeah the supply yes. of stuff as well so um again um as a hospital everything is bought pretty much a year in advance um oh, I which, see. having been a clinical director before i was just kind of like oh at the stock room like how many things yes. are in there I mean, you are the one the week before <laughs> yeah so you know yeah so everything there has to be a lot of planning in advance um and then um we, we have an amazing pharmacist who um compounds quite a lot of things oh, and yeah it's really hot on keeping you know making sure what's in date and what's not and so the pharmacist um, is part of the hospital yes yeah oh wow That's so she's amazing clever. she's yes. amazing so um so, yeah, we in some ways we're lucky because there are some human drugs we're allowed to use that you wouldn't necessarily, you know, a lot of generics that we wouldn't yes. be allowed to use in the UK. Yes. Um, but then, yeah, in other, other ways it is frustrating um, because, the yeah, the supply issue is, and again, with a lot of food and stuff, sometimes there's a bit of a problem with that as well with the prescription diets. So. Yeah. so you said some of the things are illegal, but probably mm-hmm. because they haven't gone through whatever regulation i mean regulation yeah. ma- must be m- must be a nightmare because um the way the to build laws with seven different monarchies for them mm-hmm. a whole country then i'm guessing um making laws can be quite hard but then again they probably think the same of us in the uk oh, yeah guys are doing it um yeah. uh, but that's how i feel from from this side is there any specific reason why by just a, as an example, because you put a, a why phenobarbiton is is illegal, or is just I, I I I haven't been given an actual answer really. I no, think okay. it's traditionally not been um, sort of used here. So whether they feel it's open to abuse in the human market yeah. or, or you know by people, um, so you know again again I guess it's one of the reasons why we thought of moving it. This is a very very safe place to live. Um, yes. you know there is very little crime um you know we we relieve all our bikes in our open carport I mean there's absolutely yes. no way I would do that even in West Sussex you know London gosh this yes. whole 
stuff really would have been stolen in five seconds. So, you know, so it is a very safe place to live. You know, there isn't, um, you know, the, the fines for, you know, drug use and things like that, you know, is just, you know, well, you'd get I'm not disappearing. Yeah, it's yes. just, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so I guess, you know, maybe that is why they're very strict on these things because they, they have these rules in place and this is the way they think they can control it and, and make it a, but definitely I have, I have never felt safer, um, you know, living somewhere. Yes. I guess as well it comes from like the way people look at law in in the UK. Pretty much things are allowed until it isn't, yeah. And so it feels a little bit it's the it's the opposite. Things mm-hmm. if they're not regulated, you can't do it in the UK. Um, yeah. In the in the in the Emirates, probably it's the opposite. Is well, there's not a lot to control. This is banned for now. Yeah, that's how I feel. It maybe I don't know maybe. if I'm correct. Maybe. <laughs> um, more things to ask you. There is a couple of things that I've been asking uh, people uh, this time, and it's about what it was horrible about being a vet. I, I made a poll in Vet Voices. I don't know if you're yeah. part of it. Yeah. And yeah. I made a poll that was worse of being a vet. And I have, like, a few answers. And mm-hmm. for you, what's, what's the answer? What's, what's worse? What's, what's the thing that you get anxious about every day? What's the thing that you I could do without this? I think that's a hard one because there's probably a few things that annoy me. I mean, I think I'm really lucky. I really love my job. I really love being a vet. Um, I guess when I was clinical director, I think it was probably being, um, it was all the HR and management and the stuff that you're not really told about. And I was very lucky that the practice I was in, I was getting quite a lot of training to do that, but you kind of get given the role and then get the training kind of thing. So so I guess it was it was, you know, managing the managing the staff, but also managing the client expectations. So I think, yeah, complaints I think was probably the thing the that worst. stressed me the most. Yeah. You get crushed from three sides. You can crush from above. You can crush yeah. from the staff, and you can crush from the clients. <laughs> and then you're not being a great mum at home as well. So you're feeling <laughs> in that respect too. So, Terrible. <laughs> um, so so I think that's probably hard. And, and I guess sort of now. In, because I'm one of the senior sort of surgeons, you know, I only have to deal with that when my bosses aren't in. So it happens yeah. so infrequently that I don't mind quite so much to do that. Yes. I, I guess now with this job, I think the hardest thing sometimes is um, convincing people to put their animals to sleep. Um, okay. And will so, it be Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's, you know, whereas, uh, you know, at, back in the UK, you know, obviously some people would really push back and not want that and but that was very very few and far between it will happen to me nearly every day here yeah that I will see an animal that I feel should be put to sleep and they don't they whether you know they they feel that that's um yes sort of ethically or morally or or just religiously against their kind of wishes um so you know that that's that I would say is the I find very hard yeah. Okay. Okay. That's that's it. Will fit within all these um, uh, things I have from uh, poor clinical outcomes, um, uh, welfare disasters. Probably is that one of the yeah. things uh, I, I I could do. But it's not one of the top um, horrible scenarios people gave me in that poll. Uh, actually, the top one was work life balance, and I like guess. You. But have you? Is your work-life balance now right for you? So, the, are you overcome that one? Do you think because you're in Dubai? Yes, I think so. Um, 
I mean, it could always be better, I guess. I think there are still times yeah. where you feel um, that maybe I'm not. So I work some late shifts, so I miss kids' bedtimes. But I'm, yes. you know, I take them to school every day. Yes. Um, I have split shifts where I can be there at lunchtime because they have a much shorter school day. So they start earlier, but yes. finish earlier here. Um, and I work one day at the weekend, so I miss out on that. But I, 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 I have my, I have the half day off, so yes. I can pick them up at lunchtime on on the Friday because we've switched switched our weekends. That's one thing that's yes. changed. By we had weekend was Friday Saturday, now it's changed to Saturday Sunday. Um, <laughs> so I have Friday Fridays off, so I can get things done in the morning, and then I can spend the whole afternoon with them. And then I um I work on Saturdays, and I have Sundays with them. So I definitely. I definitely feel happier. I feel okay. more fulfilled um, in what I do as a vet because I think that's the thing I was missing. I, I was enjoying being clinical director, but I felt I was I wasn't doing as much of the clinical work, and that's the bit I really love. So now I'm just yeah. back to doing that. So I, I love that. And I guess whereas some people would look at the hospital shift going, ah, oh, that's really crazy. All these hospital <laughs> patients are really quite sick, and, and I just thrive on that. I, I love I love being able to make a difference and, and do that job well. So so I really enjoy that bit of it. Um, yeah, I, I probably I would like to spend more time with my with my kids as well. But yes. but again, now I um I probably get more time with them in the holidays. Um, yes. when I do a night when I do a week of nights, I get a week off after that, so I'm there for them the whole time. And and actually on the week of nights, I'm 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 there when they come home from school, and so we can get homework done. We can go to the pool. We can you know do after school activities, and and then I can I head off to work um sort of um just after they've gone to bed. So. So yeah, I probably would say I definitely now have a better work-life balance yeah. than I did. Um, and then, the- and then because you you talk a lot a lot about your kids, which mm-hmm. you love to spend time with them, and that's one of the things you tell me was about your dream. My dream is I want to spend more time with my kids. Thank you, <laughs> um, which is really good. Um, one of the things when when I ask about what's the worst bit of being a vet, um, people say about how busy it is and how little time. Do you have that problem there? Yeah. So I think, again, we're very lucky. You know, we've got quite a big, we've got, I've got a huge team of nurses. Okay. How many people work in the hospital? How many people work there? So we have, um, so you have one, two, three, four, eight vets, eight vets. And Uh I'm probably going to get the number of nurses wrong. But we have a huge nurse to, to vet ratio. And then we have a lot of vet techs um, as well who are all training to be nurses. And yes. then we've got a large reception team too. So, um, Can we say um, we've got 50 people working there? Yeah, probably nearly that, I would think, probably. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, it might be a bit less than that. I'm rubbish with numbers and things like that. They're all wonderful. That's the best thing about them, I think. I've, I've, really? Again, I've never worked somewhere where like everybody seems to really love their job and really want to do a great job and are, are, um, are seem very all, are all uh, immigrants or some of them are uh, emeritus like you call them no, they're, they're yeah yeah no that um everybody i think bar one is um our expats so i see um the majority of nurses are british or uh-huh. australian or um from new zealand um and then the same with the vets the um british or european australian so yeah, it's it's just a yeah really nice place to work and and yeah we just the, you know I remember I'm so used to having to do all of the stuff myself and they're just like no we'll do that Sarah we'll do that and you know and, and so it just brilliant. runs really efficiently <laughs> and um, yeah so that's probably have more time because you can delegate quite a lot of stuff so yes. 
you know it does sound sufficient it, that's that's the word that comes to mind when you're talking yes yeah and and you know that the animals are really you know um being cared for and i think that was the thing that i found that my nurses were being frustrated at my last practice they felt that they weren't they just didn't have enough time and, and the vets yes. felt the same they just didn't have enough time to spend with their patients and and nurse them and care for them and you know you know i, I think i'm really lucky that that we we do have that time to do that yes. now which i think is is lovely and i think that then shines through on you know how well you can communicate with the client how how well they see the animals being cared for and and you have a better outcome you know you have less complaints you're happier you know it's everything yes. everything is all linked isn't it i think yeah. um you know and i definitely i definitely worry and you know for for colleagues back in the uk as to how stretched they are still um but yeah here the pet, pet population exploded as well so i think yeah. that's a worldwide you know problem that there's problem. a lot of yeah. people you know a lot more pets but yeah. um i'm just very lucky that yeah we are you know we're fully staffed and um, you're selling this really well i think a lot of people <laughs> are going to listen to this and you're going to get a lot of job applications now that sounds good <laughs> <laughs> okay okay that's that's brilliant okay so when you you said about um, one of your worries is people not wanting to euthanize the animal when they're suffering and there's not a lot you can do for them, most of them they have to they keep treating or funds run out quite soon and then they just take the the animal home. What does usually happens to them? Yeah, both those situations really. So yeah, so they say sometimes in you know. The, the patient will be with us um, when they pass away, and we obviously try to make that as as comfortable as we can. Yes. Um, but that's very hard on the team um, yeah. to see. Um, and then, yeah, other times, yeah, you, we discharge them back um, to the care of their owners, and again, just try to make them as comfortable as we can. And yeah. you know, and I think just hope that it is a peaceful passing. And I think you know, I, I think that's the problem. Like Hollywood has kind of made out that you know when animals pass away is they just close their eyes and go to sleep yes. and unfortunately I think all of us have seen that when it's not That's, happened and, you yeah. know and I don't want that you know for any of my patients I don't want that for my clients either I you know I, I want them to remember their pet as they were I don't want them to yeah because in those last few minutes where it's not not nice really so completely agree yeah mm. hi we're almost at the end of the episode if you want to know more about these or other recordings Visit the podcast website morethanjustavet.net through the link on the episode notes. There is usually a blog post about the interviewees with bits that they're not always on the audio. And you can access contact forms to subscribe to the site or leave reviews about the show. Okay, let's go back. To make things a bit, a bit crazier and um, make it more entertaining, I'm going to ask you one of those stupid okay. questions. Um, how would you feed a giraffe in a fridge? <laughs> um, fold it up. Okay, fold it up. I'm afraid that it, there have been someone else who said that already. Oh, no, okay. <laughs> no, I'm so uh, sorry. You can uh, have a second go if you like. Second go then. Um, deflate it. Brilliant. There you go. That's a new one. Nobody has said that one yet. <laughs> okay, so... Yes. And the, the second is something that it was an idea the head nurse at my practice uh, gave me and asked people what they're going to have for dinner that day or which is a food in where they are, they absolutely love, that they're happy for. So we, we've had our supper because it's um, 20 to 9 here now. So we had, um, well, I had vegan 
meatballs with a nice homemade um, tomato sauce that my husband made with spaghetti. The children wanted uh, meatballs and spaghetti. But that's almost British, right? Yeah, so so I would sort of say, um, I mean, I'm lucky. I love hummus and baba ganoush and um, uh, falafel and things like that. So that's very popular here um, as well. But I guess we have not really at many Emirati kind of places. It seems to be very world foodie everywhere here. I think that's the thing. Like Dubai really prides itself on being very cosmopolitan. So, um, yes. and obviously we've got Expo at the moment. So we've been to Expo quite a few times, which is amazing. So there's different pavilions of every, sort of most of the countries in the world, and yes. and they're sort of it's all about yeah sustainability and and coming together and. Um, so yeah, it's been an exciting time to come to the country and sort of learn those kind of things, really. Did you know about Expo before this? Um, we did, mainly because the friend who encouraged us to come was, was working. <laughs> is working I see. It, so, so she'd already told us that that was going to be going ahead. But um, yes. but yeah, we've I, been about three times now, yeah. And we'll only, keep going until it finishes in March, definitely, because there's so much to see. So I only know because when I was 12... It was in mm -hmm. Seville, 1992. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, thank you for taking part. It's been really thank nice. you very much for asking me. And this is it for today. Did you enjoy this episode? If you have any comments or reviews about it, don't forget to leave them in the website morethanjustabet.net forward slash contact. And once you're there, please support the show by pressing the donate button. You can do it for as little as one pound. I mean, like, we'd reuse these things, right? Like, you have your, like, ligature handpiece or your stapler or whatever, and you'd be like, oh, yeah, we're going to re-autoplay this and, like, reuse it. But in human medicine, uh-huh, no. Hasta la próxima.